Camille made me watch Homecoming last night. Homecoming. That's the, the Showtime show? No, the Beyonce documentary. Oh. Did you so, did you enjoy it? I did not. <laughs> I did not. But I went along with it. Yeah, you don't it's not that you don't like Beyonce, but you're not you're certainly not a member of the Beehive. I just don't you, you know, I don't understand why everybody has to participate. Yeah, why does it like yeah, it's not that deep, you know what I mean? Like, like I watch lots of stuff on my, my own that I enjoy, but I don't make other people watch it. Right? But no, everybody's <laughs> got to be everybody's got to watch Beyonce though. Right. Hey, did you did you watch the Tomorrow People on Nickelodeon? The Tomorrow People. The Tomorrow People. It was a early 80s sci-fi show from England and they showed reruns on Nickelodeon when Nickelodeon first came on. No, I don't remember that. Really bizarre show. But it's pertinent to this. There was an episode, and to show you how bizarre it was, there was an episode where every all of the teenagers mm-hmm. in the in, in like London were wearing bubble suits. Okay. And they were just sweatsuits. They were like velour sweatsuits, but they called them bubble suits because it was like 1982. Okay. And everybody who wore a bubble suit was trying to make everybody else wear bubble suits. Mm. Oh, you have to get a bubble suit. Oh, the bubble suits are so fantastic. And come to find out that the bubble suits were really alien parasites. Oh. So it was like an invasion of the body snatcher riff, but also commentary on commercialism and consumerism. You know, British. Right, 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 right. Beyonce people remind me of the people on that episode of the Tomorrow People with the bubble suits. Trying to get you to drink the uh, lemonade as it were. Right, right. Don't you want to to, don't you want to listen to it? No, I'm good. You can listen to it. I think you should also listen to it. No, I'm good. Sit down. You must listen to it. And then it just gets real ominous. What is it that you think, what what is it about Beyonce that seems to like like it's like like remember when Mariah Carey was hot? Yes. And every and then like there was a ton of people that was on Mariah Carey's uh top because she like bought into social media real early and they used to follow her every word on social media and stuff like that. I um, missed I missed all of that. You might you might have missed that because she locked on social media early, but this was still kind of like late in her career right okay. and because and I, and I and i honestly think it was because she locked on to social media so early it's because is why she was still enough of a name that they signed her to be a judge on um uh america's got talent was it america's got talent she she was a judge on for like a year or something like that i don't know yeah 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 yeah, yeah because i think that's where she met um uh nick cannon um, this is the most I've thought about Mariah Carey probably in my life right now. Well, I'm just I'm just saying that all of that happened, and what I see with Beyonce is that plus ten, right? You know what right, I mean, right. because where Mariah, it happened kind of like at the end of her career with Beyonce. This is all bubbled up right at the peak of her career, right? See. 
your problem rhetorically is that you said something much more interesting than the Beyonce conversation. Because now I'm thinking about Nick Cannon and Mariah Carey in their courtship. Because until you said it right now, I never thought about how did they meet. I just oh. assumed they were famous people and famous people go to things and meet each other. But right, now you're saying right. they met on this show. So now I'm just really curious about like, <laughs> Like Nick Cannon wearing one of them turbans, like going up to her and you know. What hey, is up with the turbans? You know, hey, would you like to go out for coffee or, 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 or you know, I, I know this little spot that makes good walk. Like, how does that work? Because, like, I'm assuming she was sitting in like one of them chairs and and she has people and 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 I guess Nick Cannon also has people. Like, did Nick Cannon send one of his people to her people to pass a note? Like, was this while the show was taping? Like, now I'm much more interested in that little tidbit. Or is Nick Cannon's people a genie because he's got that turban? Because he just, he just walks around with the lamp, yeah. Or, or re- do you remember, this is this is going way back, Vince, remember the Hanna-Barbera cartoon, which were all the, Ar- the Arabian Nights? Yes. And the one bull had a turban? Yes. Because he did, the, he did magic? Right. Also racist. I remember it was just super racist. <laughs> There's not been a, t- a depiction of <laughs> turban popular culture in the past 50 years that wasn't super racist. Wait a minute. Haji on Johnny Quest? <laughs> Haji actually had some type of brown person magic that he used periodically. <laughs> also, his name was Haji. Also, he had a weird accent. <laughs> Haji was super racist. Haji was racist. Haji yeah. was racist. Speaking of racist, though. <laughs> Speaking of racist. Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time. The first time. Vince and I are coming to you from two separate locations. I know. Um, As I am here in the slowly rebuilding Bat Base and Vince is home at Casa de la Williams. Yeah, yeah. But we are yet have come together via Skype for episode 198 of the Michelle Mission Hour Review of Rusty Candif's Fear of a Black Hat. One pandemic don't stop no show. No, it does not. And we hope that it has not stopped... Um, your show completely, ladies and gentlemen, that in in the midst of whatever uh, sheltering in place or self-quarantining um, that you are doing or whatever other safety measures that you have to take on um, in your life, we hope that you are doing so safely with y- you and your family uh, first of mind um, and that you are 
in good health and good spirits. And Vince and I, we hope to be a part of the good spirits, if nothing else. Yes, yes. Y'all, 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 y'all be cool. We, you know, y'all all right out there? Everybody good? How you doing, Lynn? I'm doing okay, Vince. I'm doing all right. Um, this this uh, self-imposed, you know, shelter has allowed me more time to, it, it's been a, a blessing and a curse a little bit. A blessing okay. in that it has given me the time to really like get my house together um, and get my furniture all pretty much situated how I want it. Um, I still have to work on the studio downstairs, but as far as like the house itself is pretty much just come together, all the furniture is all together and pretty much in place. I, I even found a place, Vince, I found a place for my cow skin rug. Very nice. Yes, it's right beside my bed. Ooh, very nice. feels very, very, very toasty when I get off to yes, I get out yeah. to bed. Um, but the curse has been that you know my walls are barren. I, I have like you know photos of my daughter up, but those are pretty much like up on a table and stuff like that. But I don't have a whole lot of artwork up. Okay. So the curse has been that I found a website, Society Six where you can get like a um, a lot of like original pieces from like some artists or, or you know all over they put their place up their, their art up there you can buy them as nice canvas prints and i went a little crazy the other night yeah and yeah I, I spent a little bit more money than i intended to i went there for let me see if i can find two nice canvas prints and i bought eight okay and and they're on their way here yeah, uh, I can't. I can't wait to put them up because I I know exactly where they're going to be, and they're, I think they're going to look nice. But I spent way more much more more money than I intended to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so that's a little bit of the curse. Yeah. How are you doing, Vince? Uh, the same. The same. You know, don't keep them busy doing some work. Um, you know, it's the end of the term. I have papers to grade, but uh, doing some walking. You okay. Know, did a little, you know, went on a couple of runs, trying to stay active in here, the, trying to keep the kids busy. That's true. You have the children that you have to take I, care. I of. have. We have the children at home. Uh, like you said, spent a little more. You know, trying to support and all. Just shout out to Amalgam mm-hmm. Coffee House and and shout out to a local uh, coffee shop and bookstore, Uncle Bobby's. Okay. Okay. So I've spent a fair amount of money with both of them. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Because a lot of those places are still doing like taking orders over the phone and curbside right. service and stuff like right. that. So, so my t-shirt game and my sweatshirt game is going to be more than I planned on it to be <laughs> as we, but, but, but you know, that's about it. Just keeping busy reading, uh, 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 rereading some comic series, binging really? some television shows, you know, just like everybody else. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Same here. Um, it, it, it's interesting here is, you know, we reviewed last week. I'm a. I'm going to get you sucker. Yes. Uh, and George Kimona, as always, was following us on SoundCloud, and he gave us a wharf glare, Vince. Okay. And I think that is in in response to our announcing that we are holding off on doing any Star Trek talk. Yes. Until Picard. Uh, yeah, finishes, which I actually think finishes this week. This, this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. This week, two days after we tape. 
Right. Two days after we tape, uh, so this Thursday, the season finale of Picard will go up. Um, which means that, uh, oh, here's here's something, Vince. Vince hates when I do business live on air, ladies and gentlemen. I do. But I love it. Here's something, Vince. Maybe we should do a separate episode talking about Picard next week. I mean, that shouldn't be, that should be doable. We've got the time. I was about to say, well, you know, let me check my, you know, my schedule. Oh, that's right. Maybe I should just ask Wendy. Right. I mean, you know, you've got a schedule, you know, got to keep structure. No. You just got to ask Wendy. No, well, got to keep structure, yes. That, that's what the structure is at Casa de la Williams. So uh, I will ask Ms. Williams if Vince can come out to play to do yeah, a separate yeah, episode. talk about Picard. To talk about Picard. Yeah, we should be able to do that. I'm looking forward to that. So, so George, it's coming, all right? Yes. There you go, George. Which uh, I just saw, I believe all the episodes are free for non-subscribers right now. Yeah, well, you know what? That's one thing a lot of the streaming services and even a lot of the movie studios are doing right now. They are pushing stuff out there. I know that Universal put a bunch of their movies out uh, that are in theaters, put them on for streaming right now. The Invisible Man, um, The Hunt, you can stream them. I know Pixar's Onward is going to- Yeah, a friend of mine just watched that with his kids yesterday, said it was good. Yeah. It, um, so if you don't, if you, it's, I think, I know it's on Amazon for, for rent on there. And if you, yeah. and if you're a subscriber to Disney plus, it hits Disney plus on April 3rd. So, oh, okay. so you can watch it right there and not, not have to rent it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm waiting for. No, absolutely. I wasn't, but so interested in seeing it anyway. So you're not, eh, it didn't really Tickle my fancy. I know, and but I'll watch it on on I'll watch it on television. <laughs> I've been actually the past couple of days. I've actually been um like fighting the urge to rent Spies in Disguise. You know what? Speaking of the kids, we uh well, my wife has a big family dinner over Christmas, and we took a bunch of kids to see it. Not that bad. Yeah, it doesn't look that bad. It's not that bad. You know, so I, I, I've been fighting that urge. Yeah, on a scale of one to classic Pixar, it's about a seven and a half. Well, that's up there. Yeah, like it's 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 way better than you thought it would be. All right, so maybe um, I might check that out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, definitely. I'm, I might bite the bullet tomorrow night. I'm supposed to have like a online movie thing tomorrow night, so maybe I'll bite the bullet tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, not that bad. We shall see. Um, we also got an email, Vince. Okay. Uh, let's see if I can find that. Yes, we got an email. Hey, it's four for four. It's from Romero Stokes. <laughs> hey, Romero. <laughs> he said, real quick, yes, a parable of the sower graphic novel has indeed been published by the amazing team that brought us the adaptation of uh, Octavia Butler's Kindred. Damien, I I saw it. Damien Duffy and John Jennings. Vince, you may want to check out another work that uh, John was involved in, the Blacker the Ink 
constructions of black identity in comics and sequential art. As you may have guessed, I too am working from home and find that I'm more productive and have more time on my hands, at least until the kids wake up. Stay safe and healthy, my fellow brothers of a certain age. Romero. I hear you. I hear you. I will, I will actually take back a recommendation. Maybe leave Parable of the Sower and the Xenogenesis trilogy alone right now because it's a little bit too close to home. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like I always say, at least once or twice a year and maybe three or four times a year, under the um, interesting administration that we've been under the past couple of years, I muttered to the television, this is some parable of the sower shit going on right now. True enough. So it's a little bit, like this is a little bit too close to parable of the sower. Maybe everybody leave that alone. Read Blood Child. It's a collection of short stories. Okay, there you go. Read Blood Child. Like Parable of the Sword might freak you out a little bit if you've never read it. Okay. As we're all quarantined in the house, hoping yes, that everything doesn't collapse. It, it it won't, Vince. It won't. You gotta think a happy thought. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> please, please, please. All right. Let's go to the Facebook group, Vince. It's like the first ten minutes of all the movies that I love throughout the eighties. <laughs> What's I don't I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Everything's gonna be fine. Poppycock. People are overreacting, and then the credits roll. <laughs> then when the credits come back ten years later. Yeah. Well, it's that, it's that time of a life right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. Um. Hey, you know what? I have to take back something that I said. Uh, I, I don't know if I said it last week or a couple of weeks ago. We had kind of muttered to ourselves about both trying to figure out what we were going to do about altered carbon. And yeah. somebody had said, hey, I forget who, so I apologize, said, yo, just skip season one and go right into season two. And I was hesitant on following that advice. But knowing that I had watched at least two or three episodes of the first season, so I at least understood the premise Mm -hmm. of the world in which they were in, I said, you know what? I'm going to take the chance. I'm going to leapfrog to season two. Yeah. And I watched the first episode of season two. Okay. Right off the top. It was good. It, got, it sucked me in. The only reason I didn't finish was because, like I said, I got this online thing I'm supposed to do tomorrow, and Alter Carbon is one of the things that is on the menu. So, um, but it was good. It was very good. It sucked me in. I like Anthony Mackie. Um, the the science fiction was rich, but the the storytelling was even more. It, it just it just had a little bit more energy to it than than what I saw in those first three episodes of the, of the first season. It was a totally different episode. It felt like a totally different show, to be honest. Right. Um, well, and I'm, I'm sorry, with it. I, and I and I, I think I'm I think I'm in. I think I'm in. I'm on the third episode. I've watched two episodes of the second season, and I watched the whole first season. Okay. I think the whole first season 
they spend so much time world building Mm -hmm. so that by the time the second season starts, you can jump right in. Also, just think that Anthony Mackie is a more um, kinetic actor, if you will, than the guy who plays him in the first season. Yeah, he's a little broody in the first season, whereas Anthony, you know, Anthony Mackie is, is, for lack of a better way, it's just more enjoyable watching him move through this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that that might be true. Even though, to be fair, to be and fair, he and Simone Missick have great chemistry. Well, yeah, yeah. So it's nice watching them bounce off each other. That's true. That is that is true. Um, but to be fair, in Joel Kitterman's defense, because I do like him in the first season. He's just get, getting acclimated to the world. Exactly. Where True. it's Anthony oh, Mackie now, even though playing the same character, is more lived in to the world. You know what I right. mean? So so he can be a little bit more freer. But uh, but yeah, that definitely is. Uh, well, I mean, of course, you know, Simone and Anthony's got, got good chemistry. Everybody, it's, like I said, it just feels like a totally different show. And I'm with it. I'm really yeah. with it. So um, I'm all in on Alter Carbon and I'm looking forward to... Uh, rifling through this probably within an, probably by this time next week I'll be done I was about to say we will accomplish so much television watching and comic book reading and book reading and shelf reshelving and yeah well, I action figure restructuring and all kinds of things everything everything um, I don't know if you saw this, Vince, on in the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lynn Marie. Hey, Lynn Marie. Posted this very cool Sweet 16 of Black movies. I did. I did. I participated. Oh, did you? I did. I just saw. I saw it, and I was going to participate, and I said, uh, I I want to run through this with with Vince. So, um, so you already did it, right? So you right. already know what your selections are. Right. But I'm curious. So it, it's 16 black movies put together in like a, a tournament, much like they do for college basketball in March. Um, you, even though those it's 64, but this is 16 It's 16 black movies. And you got to knock off each one till you get down to the championship. Now, I'm curious. Vince, in what was your criteria when you were trying to decide like one over the other? Like, was it just which one did you like more or? Well, I, I think I, I think my order of the the order of, of importance of what I looked for was, was quality. Mm-hmm. Rewatchability. OK, that's a good one. And importance to, you know, a conversation about black movies. Mm. Which is. Which, as far as in your criteria, is number one? Oh, quality. Like, I went in the order. Okay, so the quality, the watchability, and the film's importance uh, in 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 black cinema. Right. That, that's your criteria. Okay. Yeah. All right, so using that same criteria, like, number one is do the right thing versus the five heartbeats. Right, okay. which I thought was a terrible first round choice. Really? 
I do because I, you know, I, I'm always going to pick do the right thing. But in my mind, there are some matchups that you fool around the five heartbeats getting to the elite eight. Mm-hmm. That's true. Almost, almost final four. So to ha- knock them out so early just felt wrong to me. But the matchup is the matchup. See, you say to do the right thing, and I love do the right thing. And I also like the five heartbeats. I think I go do the right thing too. I yeah. That's a that is a that's a toss up though cuz the five heartbeats, I mean, on watchability, like do the right thing is definitely survives over watchability, but sometimes you it's almost watching and it hurts. It's it's hard to watch. Yeah, you know. It's hard to watch. But, but you know. But I th- okay. But I think it's a damn near perfect movie. I know. Yeah. I, all right. So I'm I'm going to do the right thing. Then you've got Harlem Knights and Dead Presidents. Oh, that was Harlem Knights for me. See, see, I, God, I got to say Dead Presidents. I got to say Dead Presidents. When's the last time you watched Dead Presidents? Dead Presidents is mad long. I know. It's mad long. Um, I think it's super uneven, too. It is uneven, but Harlem, Harlem Nights, Harlem Nights is rewatchable as it is. I sometimes sit there and just cringe at Richard Pryor. No, I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, Dead Presidents, it's almost half of that movie that I don't like watch. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, See, now you're making a good argument, Vince. So now I'm just saying, yeah. All right. Uh, you're right. And Dead Presidents is mad long. Okay, so I'm going to go Harlem Nights. Yeah. I'm go Harlem Nights. The Color Purple versus Boomerang. See, this was really hard for me, but I ended up with Boomerang. I'm going Color Purple. Because? I'm going Color Purple because... Um, and I lo- and I love Boomerang. I'm going color purple because I I love Whoopi Goldberg in this movie. I love uh, Margaret Avery in this movie. I love Danny Glover in this movie. I love Adolf Caesar in this movie. I love the music of this movie. This is one of the few m- movies where there's a person singing, and I feel the flush in my cheeks when they're singing. Um. I love the end when when her her sister comes home. I the color purple, yeah, the color purple. I'm going color purple. All right. Menace to society, the best man. Oh, I went with menace. Oh, wow. I, I gotta go best man. How are you picking the best man over menace to society? Menace to society is a menace to society hurts. It just hurts, man. I mean, it. I mean, when you talk about rewatchability, Menace to Society, I do not want to feel this freaking down. Like, dude does not get out, dog. Um, and the best man, the best man is funny. It may have, like, the best performance of Morris Chestnut's career. And it's got peak knee along. Get, get out of here. Lorenz Tate and, and I can't believe I just forgot the brother's name. Who plays the lead character? Ooh, uh, well, I don't want to say Tyquel Williams, but I don't think that's his name. 
Um, Their acting is is a quantum leap past everybody in The Best Man. And I love The Best Man. It is. But on rewatchability? I think it's very rewatchable. I think it's very rewatchable. Man, look, I can't watch him get shot up at the end. I mean, first of all, he eats like about 12 bullets in this entire movie. Yes, he does. I don't, I I can't watch it. I mean, that's what, that's the movie. Well, I mean, yeah. And if I haven't seen it for a long time, I'll rewatch it one time and then I won't watch it again for another five, six years. The best man I can watch maybe every year. I also think it's more important than the best man. I'm not going to say it's not more important, but I think the the rewatchability of the best man trumps it. Yeah. Okay. So Tyron Turner. Yeah, Tyron Turner is whose name we were looking for. Okay, I knew it was a T. Uh, the Wiz and Love yeah, I think Jones. Tyron, I go with the Wiz. Just think the importance of the Wiz just just steamrolls Love Jones. Yeah, see, but the Wiz and is- I think Love Jones might. I think Love Jones is actually a better movie than the Wiz. It is a better movie than The Wiz. The Wiz but I think I think The Wiz is just so important and so iconic that it, you know, unfortunately, Love Jones. Like in my mind, the Five Five Heartbeats would have been a better matchup with The Wiz. Mm. Um, I'll 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 say The Wiz because in my mind, I've got Nia Long in The Best Man, so I don't need right. Love Jones um, as much as I love Love Jones. And The Wiz has Michael Jackson. So there you go. That's the one yeah. for me. Um, I mean, the costumes in The Wiz, the music. I mean, yeah, you know. Th- yeah, everything is, like- everything's good about The Wiz except the direction. That's the only thing that's wrong with The Wiz. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's... New Jack City coming to America. Coming to America. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Coming to America. That's a no, that's a no brainer for me. Here is the match: Malcolm X, Friday. Yeah, that's that's really really hard. That's really really hard because that's like that's like the best steak you've ever had. Mm-hmm. Versus the best and cheese like, steak, or or like the best Bentley. Okay. You've ever seen, you know, like they're both so good and they're both so different. I'm going Friday. I think I have to go Friday. I'm going Friday. Yeah. Yeah. And it hurts to to pick Friday, but yeah, I think I have to go Friday and kind of like your Neil Long argument. I already have do the right thing. Point. So now we've got boys in the hood versus waiting to exhale. From my list, I'm going to go waiting to exhale because I have menace. Yeah, but for my list, I'm going to go. Now, you can't just keep picking Neil Long movies. I didn't. I, 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 I didn't take Love Jones. OK. <laughs> I've got Neil. Look, I've got Neil Long. Like your final four is Are We There Yet? <laughs> Boys in the Hood. <laughs> And Keanu. That Tyler Perry she was in. No, no, never that movie. I'll take Keanu, which which right. is the uh, Key and Peele movie that she's in as well. Right. Um, right. 
I think I'm, I think I'm going to take. Uh, oh man, wow! I think I'm going to take. I think I'm going to take waiting to exhale. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I'm going to take waiting to exhale. Um, I actually wish waiting to exhale. I wish this was uh, what's love got to do with it, but yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's not on here. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the Sweet 16. Yeah, there's it's, a lot of stuff that's not on here. It's not the 64. It's the Sweet 16. So, um, right. This is this is fun. I mean, we could break this all the way down to the championship, but we don't have to go all the way there. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a lot of fun. Look for it on the Facebook um, page, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. And see where you get down to it. I know a lot of people got down to... I think do the right thing and Malcolm X. I can tell you right now, it would not get down to Malcolm X versus do the right thing with me. But if no. it, if it did, do the right thing would come out on top. It's my favorite movie. Full stop. Yeah, yeah, that would that, so. that would trump Malcolm X for me. Um, it was interesting. I was looking at a you know because you said you're rereading, you reread books. I reread blogs. Um, and I was looking at a listing. Oh, the Hollywood Reporter had posted an old listing of like their Hollywood's favorite movies, 100 movies. Over, okay. Um, and I think the the actual listing is from 2019 or 2018, excuse me. So um, it's got some age on it. But looking at it, the only black films that were in there that you could consider black films were Boys in the Hood. Of course. Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, and The Color Purple. Right. I'm surprised Malcolm X made it in there. Yeah, Malcolm X made it on there. Uh, yeah, that that was it. And none of them were in the top 10 I think I think and I don't have it up right here but I think like it, Color Purple or Malcolm X may have been like in top 20 I mean <laughs> this kind of goes back to why we started white film reviewers have watched five black movies that's in their true. entire lives that's true that is very true but so, it, like, you know what's going to be on the list yeah you do because you know the only thing they've watched Get out might start being might start showing up. Oh yeah, get out, get out, yeah, get out will start showing up now. It will, it, it it most certainly will. I think so. I think get up may be the movie, like the black movie that they've locked onto over the last ten years. Oh, unless you yeah. want to count Black Panther. Uh, maybe Black Panther. Yeah. Maybe and Black. I, Panther. And I don't know if they see that wholly as a black film. Exactly. You know, but uh, Black Panther and Get Out, that's the movie. Yeah, get so. Out is day one. That's day one. <laughs> that's day one. Have you seen Get Out? Very true. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that. There's that's their litmus test. That's their that's their new. I have plenty of black friends. I've seen exactly. Get Out. Right. I've seen Get Out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. All right. Um, we hope that you are enjoying yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 
And hey, let us know what you're watching or reading during your self-isolation. Let us know. Um, share it with us in the Facebook group, Michelle Mission, or email us at Mission at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. Let us know how, how you're dealing with this uh, self-imposed quarantine that we are all under. All right. Yeah. We, we want to hear from you. Um, and also just a, a programming note. I got Vince to agree that next week when we review episode 199, we review Spike Lee's She's Gotta Have It. We are going to do the review live on video on Facebook Live for the Michelle Mission Facebook group. Yes, yes. We'll have to wear clean shirts. Oh, oh I thought you, you coming at me, dog. It's not It's not dirty. No. I, had to, I had to check myself, though. I was like, no. I you, you weren't sure? <laughs> I was just making a joke. I assumed your shirt was clean. But what do I know? No judgment. Maybe a little judgment. I had to go out today. So... <laughs> See? So I do have one of I'm not even going to ask you if you have pants on. I have pants on. I took oh, off. I believe you. <laughs> I got pants on. I do. Yeah. I do. But next week, definitely. <laughs> next week, I won't. And pants. <laughs> next week, I will not have on pants on Facebook Live. <laughs> I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, you'll never know, but I won't have on pants as we review She's Gotta Have It live on Facebook for our Facebook group next week. Um, so we'll do that. We usually do this on Tuesdays at six o'clock. Tuesdays at six o'clock. So next Tuesday, which I believe is April 1st. Sure. Well, whatever next Tuesday is. Yes. 6 p.m. Eastern time. In the Michelle Mission Facebook group, Vince and I will be doing our review of She's Gotta Have It live. So um, It's actually March 31st. Oh, is it the 31st? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So March 31st at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern Standard Time. Check us out. We'll be there. Um, All right. <laughs> All right. Let's get into our review. You trying to figure out what shirt you're going to wear? I've really thrown you with this shirt thing. I didn't know that this was going to be a source of confusion and controversy. Luckily, I just did laundry. So <laughs> you, you, you've already calculated out. <laughs> We're going to review Fear of a Black Hat right now. <laughs> We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. In today's world, it can be very difficult for the black man who wants to find the proper form to express his social and political views. See, I wanted to mess with everybody, so I had to find a producer who wasn't afraid of a little controversy. 
He told me that we didn't have a lot of money and I'd have to do a lot of the work myself. This is more than a comedy. This film is subversive. We can't let the white man tell us how to sell to our market. Right, Freesh? Um, the white man, no good. It deals with issues that you and I deal with every day, like how the media distorts reality. The media was trying to say that the people looting was, you know, all lazy and didn't want to work. But I tell you what, you try carrying a leather sofa all the way from, like, Slauson and Crenshaw down to Pico or Venice or something like that, and then going back for them matching end tables? That's the work for your behind right there. We deal with race. I, I look at people, and everybody seems to be the same shade. You sure it's not the glasses? We deal with racism. Are they registered with the state? State of siege. <laughs> we deal with the misconceptions between man and woman that make us all go crazy. I'm the only person here who cares about T's welfare. Well, how long have you been on welfare? Knowing who to count on when push comes to shove. Y'all ever need me, I'm there. I need one of y'all to grab that bedpan and stick it up underneath my ass. It ain't that kind of party. Understanding, coexisting. Take it all away. And you got the kids next door, you really do. Next door to you? Not me. And the craziest comedy can be dead serious, and I know you know what I'm talking about. Can you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying if you come see Fear of a Black Hat. That's what I'm saying, see? Keep your head covered and wear your hat. You better come on and check it out. What you waiting on? Fear of a Black Hat, 1993 American mockumentary on the evolution and state of American hip hop music. The film's title is derived from the 1990 Public Enemy album Fear of a Black Planet, and it was written, produced, directed and stars Rusty Cundiff alongside his cast members Larry B. Scott and Mark Christopher Lawrence, as well as one Cassie Lemons. The comedic mockumentary depicts the perspective of a filmmaker, Cassie Lemons, uh, character of Nina Blackburn, as she trails a hardcore gangster rap group called NWH, Niggas with Hats. They play on the <laughs> name of the popular group NWA. In many ways, Fear of a Black Hat is similar to the satirical film about early 1980s heavy metal, This is a Spinal Tap. And this film was Vince's selection for episode 198. This stop on the Michelle Mission, Vince, what say you of Fear of a Black Hat? I think it is interesting that you cannot find a review of this film that doesn't name check Rob Reiner and Christopher Guest's mockumentary from almost a decade before this. This is Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. including when you look at interviews with Rusty Kundif and people involved. Like, this is Spinal Tap really was the the, the 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 sort of measuring stick that everyone was using to judge the success of fear of a black hat and if you've seen this if you if you've seen this as spinal tap this is spinal tap works really for two reasons 
A, because it's very smart. Yes. It's it's very smart. It's 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 well written. It's it's quick witted, and the jokes are 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 sort of rapid fire, and it rewards quick uh, uh, repeat viewings. The other reason is because the music that they've made is satirical, mm-hmm. but it's not that far off. Right. Like, it's good enough that you take it seriously. So that when we talk about the success of This Is Spinal Tap, A, it's smart. B, the music is is good enough that you know that these are, are comedians, these are filmmakers that take the art form seriously. And judging by that, on a scale of, of one to This Is Spinal Tap, I think Fear of a Black Hat comes in, a, you know, between a seven and an eight. Okay. Like, I think this is a really funny, really solid, really good film. And what surprised me re-watching it as someone who, who I remember when this came out, and I think I've seen it maybe once since, it's, since it came out, but I haven't seen it in years what surprised me was how authentic a lot of the music sounded. True. Like, like NWH, Niggas with Hats, is clearly a satirical group. Russi Kandif is not an MC, but he's close enough. Uh, the, uh, the Tasty Taste, played by, as you said, Larry Scott, who I have to say, the only thing I know Larry Scott from is from the Revenge of the Nerds movies. Right. Not that bad. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, it really is like, this sounds like this could have been music. Yes. And in a lot of ways, that's the foundation of the attention to detail. When you talk about the the specificity of hip hop in the 90s, this is a script and this is a film that respects the form enough that they paid attention to the details, whether we're talking about that, that kind of moment where there was this uproar over groups like NWA just because of what people viewed as the violence in the lyrics and, and, the, and the threat that it posed, or Public Enemy, where people were threatened by the the political part of it. Because in a lot of ways, both of these groups were different sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of uproar. There was a lot of furor over both of them, but it was for different reasons. And this film really kind of outlines that in a way, whether you're talking about the, the lineup of groups when they perform and how that um, reflects a, a, your status as a hip hop group. Whether you talk about the dynamic between the black MCs and the white execs, Mm -hmm. certainly during this time, all of that really was was true to me. As the film goes on, when when you have the tension between the members of the group, all of that really worked for me. So that ultimately, like I said, I came away thinking this is about an eight. Seven or eight on, a, again, a scale from one to this is Spinal Tap. 
things that kind of keep it from being as good as this is Spinal Tap. I like Rusty Kandif in this role. I, I wonder if I would have liked another actor better. Okay. Okay. Like, I think he gets it across. I think he's good, but I like, he's he just not, it's not on the level of, um, and how did I just forget my man's name? He'll always be, uh, Lenny to me of Lenny and Squiggy. Oh, um, oh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, uh, um, Michael McKean. It's not quite Michael McKean. Mm-hmm. Michael, who was the star of This Is Spinal who Tap. Who was the star of This Is Spinal Tap and had the presence and the persona and the mannerisms of a British heavy metal star. He had it. it, it I mean, it was perfect. Right, right. As much as I liked Tasty Taste played by Larry Scott, I couldn't quite get over the hump that he was kind of playing dress up. Yes. Like I couldn't quite get over the hump with him. Yes. I think um, the nature of, of the mockumentary is, is you have to figure out a plot without a plot. Mm -hmm. And I think they kind of pull out, even at this point, a really cliched plot to show the downfall of a group. Right. You know, we're going to bring in a woman. Right. And, and kind of deal with that. But I thought this was a really strong film. And I think, again, in my mind, one of the strongest parts of the film was the satirical songs. Mm-hmm. Like they really rolled the dice and spent a lot of time on the songs. And I think it paid off because 201, they, they were funny. They were insightful. Uh, many of them made me laugh out loud. And, and as we were sort of talking about at, uh, before we started taping, towards the end, where they're just throwing away lines. Yeah, yeah. Things were so funny. But, but at, yeah, but ultimately, I really like this. I, I think ultimately, I land on the side of liking it as well. Um, being a huge fan of This Is Spinal Tap, I immediately saw the um the dna of that film you know like right off the bat in here Mm -hmm. um and where it kind of like steals some of the the story elements the whole reporter talking about the music genre by way of you know interviewing this one group who like a middling group within the genre um the whole idea of Later in the film, a a woman coming to kind of like break up the the band, as it were. Right. Um. So the so the and even some of the jokes, you know, like the repeating joke in this about the white manager that or, or the manager that keeps yes. uh, dying, um, because originally their managers were just their relatives, and then they realized, well, well you know, the lookout for you know, our family and the black community, maybe it's better if we have white managers. So, right, right. So that they can all just die. Right, um, right. Funny, a funny bit. Mysteriously. Uh, mysteriously. We're out of while we're out of town, right? <laughs> um, and that is, you know, ripped right out of this, the gag and this is Spinal Tap, where, and this is Spinal Tap, the drummer their drummer always just keeps spontaneously combusting 
um, <laughs> during the, during one of their shows, and next thing you know, there's a new drummer. Um, so so the DNA was there right from the start. You 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 know lay some of the blame at the at the feet of Rusty Candice. I think with a little bit of blame shared by Larry Scott. I think the problem here especially when you're talking about a mockumentary, the first thing about a mockumentary is like you said, you've got a, you've the idea is that you're shooting all of this footage and then you're coming together with a story, right? Even though, because this is a mockumentary, you have an outline of, of a story, you know, where you want to go, right? You've got the basic frameworks and you just try to shoot all this footage to try and to hang its hat on that framework. And then, piece together your story but what what makes it work is that everyone in your production has to 100% embody the character that they are playing right to the point where you don't see an actor anymore you don't see anyone playing dress up um and this is not even just true of this is spinal tap you can go which is a rob reiner film you can also go to the best of all of these mockumentaries which are the the films by christopher guest from from best in show show or or for your consideration please um all of those where everyone embodies a totally different character and you believe the character that they are playing. Yes, absolutely. Like you, you spoke of Michael McKean, Michael McKean in this, this is spinal tap is playing the stereotypical eighties hair band, heavy metal British, you know, um, fading rock star. And you yeah. believe it 100%. Absolutely. And there are many people who you told them that that is the same actor who plays a bit of a stuffed shirt gay guy who is, you know, fussing over his dog in so best good. in show you would not believe no that's not the same actor it is right. exactly the same actor and also lenny from laverne and, and and then you just see him in lenny and you're like get out of here because yeah. that because he's just a big dummy and and in that yeah you have to believe who you are playing rusty candif in this in this film i think I think it's primarily because he hasn't done a whole lot of other stuff. You can maybe believe who he's playing. I think his acting just doesn't get it over. Larry Scott, you're right. He 100% plays, looks like he's playing a role. You're, you're literally waiting for the scene where you see, where you see him take his wig off. And now he's, you know, um, like you, you're waiting for the scene in the Harlem Shuffle where they say cut, and now he's hello everybody. Right, right. Uh, you know, um, I'm Larry Scott. You're waiting for almost waiting for that scene from him. Um, well, well, just what's so funny, not to cut in and, and let you 
I'll, I'll let you finish. I kept mixing this up with CB4, mm-hmm. and I kept waiting for the plot point that they were actually from the suburbs. Right, right, And right. it never happened. Yeah. But I think that speaks to the artifice that you're talking about. Right, because it, 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 it doesn't... It, they don't feel real in them in in the roles and right. and that keeps you from 100% investing in it they feel real enough performing the music because the the music like you said does have a credibility to it you know it sounds like hip hop of the of that time rusty kendif who wrote most of the most if not all of the music um, has his way with a pen, yeah, uh, and and vocally gets the rhymes over, so you know it 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 sounds on point, and 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 they basically the staging and they're doing the basic like everybody's done the you know rapping in the mirror you know pumping your fists and everything like that so they right, got that right. they've got that down pat so yes they can get that over it's in the quiet moments it's in the scenes where they just have to be that it falls a little short um and that is what keeps this film from rising to the top because i think that while some of the jokes are broad, they're no way near as broad as something like uh, I'm going to get you sucker. Oh, um, no, not at all. I think it's much smarter. It's much smarter there. Much smarter, it's, yeah. Um, but I think that acting is what is what keeps the edges a little dull in this. Yeah. It's not it it you you feel like you know he's picking at he's picking at hip hop right now. He's picking at hip hop at the day, but he's 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 not he's he's not making a clean cut because the edges are just a little dull and that's because of the the acting is just not there. And and to be fair, it's not just those three. They're carrying the film, but it's 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 not just them. I think a lot of the supporting roles you know, from the managers to even the the guys that play the jam crew or whatever, the rival rap group. I, yeah. think, I think nobody is taking their role 100% serious. Um, so it loses its bite. Actually, there are two people who take it a, a little serious. One is Cassie Lemons. As yeah. Nina Blackburn, she's taking it serious, and it's not hard for her to do because all she's doing is playing a reporter. Um, right, right. But she, she, it, she feels like she's a reporter, right, um, for the most part. And then the guy, and I, and, and I don't know the, the actor's name, who comes in as their very last manager, who used to manage the Jam Boys, yes, and now comes in as, as their last manager. He feels. Like a hip hop manager of that day, he he had he is embodying that, and like like if everybody was on playing at his level with it, then it gets over, and and that's what keeps this movie from really standing out the way that it should. There's no reason why this film should not be, um, like must viewing yeah for for uh whether you're an aspiring filmmaker if you are just a uh 
a fan of hip hop, you know, yeah. and, and appreciates, you know, the satirizing of it. Um, because they satirize everything. They satirize NWA. They satirize, you know, um, PM Dawn. They satirize um, Public Enemy, MC Hammer, uh, CC Music Factory. They they oh, they go I at everybody so much. Yes, it, yeah. it, it's 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 so it's so chock full of stuff, and it is smart. Um, it's just it's just those dull edges keeps this from being the classic that it really could have been. Yeah, you're, you're talking about Tim Hutchinson as okay, right, Reggie, right, Reggie Clay, who, like many of the people in this film, are are Spike Lee alumni. Okay, okay. Like I always say, everybody kind of met everybody. It seems on the set of School Days, mm-hmm. and then they all went on and did like stuff together. Right, right. Cause, cause you know, uh, Russell Kandif, Tim Hutchinson, Cassie Lemons. Um, I feel like somebody else wandered in here, and I said, "Oh, they were in School Days too." But you see all of these post School Days movies mm-hmm. where these black creators kind of, you know, help each other out. Right. Yeah. Right. But but I I agree with you, and 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 you know the reason I was so adamant about. How or, or emphatic about how smart it was a few minutes ago is because it was so disappointing to me the way the inevitable Yoko character broke up the group, how she was played. Okay. Because I thought that was just kind of, you know, she, you know, of course she's trying to break up the group. She gets with, with a uh, tasty taste, but then she ends up sleeping with um, Tony. Ice cold. I mean, with ice cold as well. And it was just, it was just unnecessary, especially in a film that wasn't as insightful as it should have been about misogyny and hip hop, mm-hmm. but did acknowledge it. Right. Like the script acknowledged it. The script kind of said that, that, that hip hop, A, had this problem, B, in a lot of ways, it undercut this real hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. That went on where you had all of these MCs that were like, quote unquote, positive and, and and quote unquote, trying to build up the community. But then you had kind of this misogyny right there that they tried yeah. to justify. I just wanted something a little smarter. Yeah. With that plot point. Yeah, because they say it, but they don't really say anything about it. You know what right. I mean? Right. And and like I say, that whole idea of the woman coming in between to break up the group. Um, is lifted from this is Spinal Tap, but it doesn't play out that way in in Spinal right. Tap, and right. and and I think in Spinal Tap, that's the other thing. As as over the top as Spinal Tap is, there were some moments that still were more grounded in reality, and well, and that relationship in that movie. It, you you need some level of reality in what's going on. Right. And this one, it quickly jumps to farce at the end, which right. then just takes you completely out of it. You know what right. I mean? Um, and by then you're at the end already, but it just, it, it really is a, a disservice to the film. And, and, and it's almost like, Rusty didn't trust himself to just go for the jugular. 
I was about to say, you get the sense that he wasn't quite sure how to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. Like I get the sense that there was an idea. There was, there, there was a, a, a general idea for this film. There were some really smart um, observations that they wanted to explore, but I didn't get a real sense of an overarching plot. Right. And because it was so smart, that carries it for an hour. I mean, it's only an hour and a half. Right. But it really is almost like somebody looked at the film stock or looked at their watch mm-hmm. and said, oh, we got to wrap this up in 20 minutes. Right. So that you get these plot points out of nowhere. And then they kind of come back together. Having said that, I still really like this movie. Like, I still really like it. Um, you, you know, we mentioned the CNC Music Factory thing. And and it, it's it's that was another moment that spoke to the specificity of the observations because there was this controversy with CNC music factory and, and the, um, and the singer. Yeah. Uh, Martha wash, Martha wash, where they took that from her. I love the, I love the way that they puncture PM Don's sort (laughs) of faux hippiness with the guy not being able to catch a cab and realizing he's not just human. Right. Which kind of spoke to me because I really like like PM Don really did rub me the wrong way. You weren't a PM Don guy. I was not a PM Don. Like PM Don was like De La Soul for people who didn't really want to deal with hip hop. <laughs> like we like them shirts that they wear, but it's like that that rapping is a little too intense. Can we get somebody with just the t-shirts and not quite so black? So you would have threw him off stage like KRS One. I mean, I wouldn't throw nobody off stage, but I certainly were, was ignoring them, and I knew that they were mar- They seemed like a marketing gimmick. But you certainly ignored him as he flew past you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. That's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a shame. Yeah, I think ultimately, like you said, um, for all of what I'm saying, I still land on the side of liking this film. Um, you know, just because I wanted more from it doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy, for the most part, what I watched, you know, sure. and what I saw. And there were some funny um, bits in the film uh, that I enjoyed. One of the funniest bits, though, and we can't repeat it here. <laughs> but it comes at the end of it comes it comes like like during the credits. Uh, yeah. There's just a throwaway line, you know, the definition between a hoe <laughs> and a and an itch bay. Yeah. Oh my god, it's yeah. laugh out loud funny and true. Yeah, ladies and I, You know, I love the moment where they really kind of critique Ice T's turn as a policeman. In New yeah. Jack City. Yes, yes. Straight all the way down to the jump. All the way down to the jump. <laughs> Off the bridge. You know, they kind of talk about this weird disconnect between mm-hmm. Ice-T being Ice-T, and now he's playing a policeman. Yeah. Which is hilarious because in 2020, I think he's played a detective on Law & Order longer than he's been an MC. Yes. 
certainly made more money at it. So, you know, all of that, I love all of those, again, very specific moments. And if anything, going back to the first thing I said, I think the worst mistake that this film makes is trying to position itself as a hip hop. This is Spinal Tap. Because I think what really hurts this film the most is that no one talks about it, including us without comparing it to This Is Spinal Tap, which mm. is a vastly superior film. Yeah, I hear you, but I would, and I would reason that most people, most fans of hip hop have not watched Spinal Tap then I think they would enjoy this more than you and I did. Yeah. For, for them, this is, this is their spinal tap. Yeah. You know? I think they would enjoy it much more than we did then. Yeah. Because I really do think it just pales in comparison. Yeah. It just suffers. But on its own, it's not bad. On its own, it, it's fine. It's just that if you've watched spinal tap one, because if you watch spinal tap, not only are you comparing it to it, but you also, like I said, you're seeing the similarities story-wise. So right. that helps just, you know, like just gives life to the compare more life to the comparison. Um, but if you haven't watched Spinal Tap, and if you are a fan of hip-hop in the of this day, just like you said, you're remembering probably with certain rose-tinted um, glasses, you know, fear of a black hat and CB4. So you're saying, oh yeah, we did mockumentaries. There were hip hop mockumentaries. There was CB4 and there was Fear of a Black Hat. And I remember liking them. Yeah. And I still like this more than CB4. Yes. Having watched CB4 recently, I could definitely say I like this way more than CB4. Yeah, I think this is way smarter than CB4. It's smarter. Um, it has a and lot funnier, more to say. It's 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 funnier. Um, yeah, yeah. It it this is um this is overall this was good. I don't know if I'm giving it a seven or eight like you said, um, but it was a good movie, and I would I would definitely. Well, would you recommend people see this? Film? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we've talked about Rusty Kandif before, and and I think when you look at his career you know frankly at this point he's probably most acclaimed for the work that he did on the dave Chappelle show Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for so long and i think this is much more of a through line between this and his work on the dave Chappelle show than something like his other film that we've talked about sprung yeah yeah so do i so like i the direction is decent. I think the writing is is sharp. I think the acting works. I think ultimately this this is a solid movie. So I would absolutely recommend it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. We would recommend that you see Fear of a Black Hat. All right. And if you want to give us all of your feedback, email us at michellemission at gmail.com. Like and follow us on all the social medias at michellemission. Um 
Give us a five-star rating and review wherever you find our podcast, especially if it's on Apple Podcasts, because that helps people find our show. And check out The Podglomerate, our podcast network home, home of curated podcasts just for you. The Michelle Mission is also available in an edited form every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM, Philly Cam, people-powered media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University, where even in the midst of the crisis, they did find us and play us last week. Somebody hit us up in the Facebook group and let us know that. So um, we're still out there for you. Shout out to Drexel. Most deaf. All right, ladies and gentlemen, next week, as we told you, we will be in the Michelle Mission Facebook group, 6 p.m. live on March 31st, Tuesday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, when Vince and I will live via Facebook review Spike Lee's She's Gotta Have It. Episode. Sorry, go ahead. On our penultimate episode that's right episode 199 that's right all right so don't miss it we will have if this was game of thrones this is the episode where people die every season who will die (laughs) on the mission next week let us know you let us know. We'll put a poll out on no, the Facebook group. No, we're not group. doing a poll. We'll put You're a poll out. Uh, Which me. one do you want to see die next week <laughs> on not. the show mission? Things got real dark. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh. Wait to let's see what the missionaries say. No. <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll know I'll know when things look bad if you're on the video screen yet Adam is here in the room. <laughs> Why are you closing the door? Why are you <laughs> the reins of Catherine on the piano? What's going on? What do you mean? Did I see Children of the Corn? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a black movie. Now it is. <laughs> Next week, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len, and in parting, we say, "We'll see you when it's time to meet again." It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>